the podcast Biblical Question. Excited that you've tuned in with us today, downloaded the podcast. We know there's many other podcasts available to you, and we are thankful that you have chosen us. I'd encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, and there you can find links to our social media accounts. We have Twitter and LinkedIn, and there you also you can see our statement of faith, um, submit your prayer request or biblical questions, and we do have a couple that have came in again, and we're working on answers for those, and we'll make them available here soon. I would like to do a little scripture reading here before we begin. The thrust today will actually come out of Jude. Out of Jude, that's the letter right before the book of Revelation. But first I want to read Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatia. I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only that there are some of you that are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, he is to be accursed. For I am now seeking the favor of man or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Again, we're going to look at Jude, and the title today is Stay Alert. Stay Alert. Again, Jude is one of the shortest books of the Bible. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken from my memory, Second John has fewer words in his very short uh, epistle as well. But Jude, again, I, I believe is a message that is very important for us today. It, it, it has very much relevance uh, to us. And so in the podcast today, we're going to look at the first four verses of Jude, and we're going to do some cross-referencing. So I hope that you do have a Bible with you and that you will be following along. Uh, Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28. Here is the Apostle Paul. Uh, we read a minute ago where he was addressing the church to Galatia. And I want to read uh, Acts chapter 20, where he's addressing the church in Ephesus this time. It says, Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock, among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, and not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remember that, that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Now Paul, he's really speaking to the, the elders in this passage. And the reason Paul is warning them, he's very aware uh, by inspiration or a gut feeling. I'm going to go with the first. Uh, that He knows when he leaves Ephesus, uh, savage wolves will, will come in among the believers. And some of those folks will even 
will be part of the church people that were there when Paul was there. So maybe he he's uh, got 20-20 vision there on some folks. And he knows they're going to rise up and they're going to speak lies uh, to draw out the church and the church members away and to deceive them. Now keep all of this in mind as we go to Jude. And we're going to read the first four verses of Jude. It says, Greetings from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, and a brother of James, to those who have been chosen and are loved by God the Father and have been kept safe in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours more and more. Dear friends, I wanted very much to write to you about the salvation we share together, but I felt the need to write to you about something else. I want to encourage you to fight hard for the faith that God gave His holy people. God gave this faith once, and it's good for all time. Verse 4, Some people have secretly entered your group. These people have already been judged guilty for what they are doing. Long ago, the prophets wrote about them. They are against God. They have used the grace of our God in the wrong way to do sinful things. They refuse to follow Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. So you see, Jude here is writing to a group of Christians. Uh, he calls them uh, that they are sanctified, which translates uh, in other words uh, some versions might say beloved or dear friends or those who have been chosen in the Greek it just means somebody who's been set apart and we uh, who are washed in the blood of Christ have been set apart and notice here that Jude goes on to say that Jesus Christ preserves them or again he, he keeps them safe then goes on to write uh, there are certain men who crept in unnoticed who were long ago marked out for judgment. They are ungodly men who turn the grace of God the wrong way. And how do they do that? Oh, by being lewd uh, and denying God and the Lord Jesus. Some men have secretly snuck into the group and you didn't even notice is what Jude is trying to say. And we have that happening even today. They were not noticed because these wolves, uh, they're wearing sheep's clothing. And most of the flock is not paying any attention that perhaps that sheep's clothing really didn't fit right. So what is Jude really trying to say here is, stay alert. He is saying, you have an enemy out there, and the evil one is seeking whomever he can, so he may devour him. And also, in this letter from Jude, it is a call to arms. I would encourage you to go ahead and read uh, the, the rest of the Jude. It'll only take you a few minutes uh, after the podcast is over. But as you read through this 25 verses, you, you will see that Jude uses some really strong language. It is harsh, it is severe, and it is not politically correct. This is a straight talk, black and white, to the point, no long way around the barn, uh, just the facts, ma'am, and maybe that's is why we we need to hear a few sermons on this book. I honestly, I, I really don't know if I've actually heard sermons uh, from Jude 
in a long, long time, if at all. Uh, I know we did a Bible study years ago in a congregation uh, in the book of Jude, and it took us almost really six months to get through uh, 25 verses, and that's because the group really uh, tore it apart, and we did word studies, and we did a lot of cross-referencing, and we started making applications to us today. Jude, uh, for some reason, it just kind of skipped over. Everybody wants to go right into the book of Revelation. And and I understand the book of Revelation is, is part of God's Word, but it's not the only book. But what Jude is saying here is for Christians to, to get up, get off the couch, get off the floor, whatever, get going, get moving, and go about the Heavenly Father's business. Go and fight the good fight of faith. Wake up. And Jude is, is saying the same thing that Paul said to the Ephesians church. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14, he writes, For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But why is Jude using such strong language? Well, because he's talking about life and death here. And he's not talking about the physical life and death. He's talking spiritual life and death. In church, uh, folks out there, listeners, there's not a single person uh, in the world that's been promised tomorrow. Anyone else walking around the world, uh, they haven't been promised. We don't know when our last day will be. We really don't know. Christ could appear at any moment. We don't know. But we need to be living our life as though we truly believe Christ will be here at any moment. Or that we will die at any moment and meet Him. Let's say that you go to the doctor and he runs a bunch of tests. And a few weeks later you go back to, to the doctor to get uh, the test results. And in that meeting, he says, oh, you're just fine. Uh, see, you, see you later. But then in a few months, you find out uh, that you're, you're dying. You're in a hospital bed. And you ask the doctor, hey, what's going on? Uh, you just gave me a clean bill of health. Every, you said everything was fine. Then the doctor tells you, well, he knew that you were very ill and did not think that you could handle it. So he chose not to tell you anything. Now, I don't know about the countries all around the world. I, I do know in America, uh, that doctor would probably lose his license. He probably would be sued. And who would ever want to go to that type of a doctor? That perhaps he could have treated you and, and helped you and, and helped you prepare or made you feel better. Maybe he could have cured you. I, I don't know. But that's not a good thing. It, we have so many people out here preaching the gospel, and they want to tell you everything's great, everything's fine. Smile. You can have your best uh, life today. Well, folks, I, as much as I enjoy life and, and want to have a good day, this is not where I'm putting all my, uh, my basket here on earth, everything into. I'm trying to store up things in heaven. That's where I want to be, one long day in eternity with God. And the church really is, is, is this is not a good doctor, again, and 
I've said it before, he would lose his license to practice medicine. He probably wouldn't even be able to go to another state and get a license if they did any kind of background. Again, in the same way, uh, the preacher's job is to tell you that spiritually speaking, sin makes you ill and it can kill your soul. To preach sermons like, uh, everybody goes to heaven, it doesn't matter what you did or didn't do, and the hell is an empty place and does not even exist. They're telling their congregations that everything is good. Life's a box of chocolates. Everything's just wonderful. That you don't have to worry. And so they preach these feel-good sermons and they tickle people's ears. And we all like that, including me. Well, I want to feel good. I have a long week at work or whatever, a lot of stress. And the last thing sometimes uh, people want to hear at church is, um, you could be going to hell. When they think they've been in hell all week uh, at work or at school. Or, and so, but they're not doing big, big favors to people. There seems to be a lack of serious theology in our congregations and from our pulpits. There's a lack of, of serious expository preaching, meaning a verse-by-verse in the context of preaching from that book. And that results after a period of time that uh, there are serious problems for a church who does not do this. I know I was in a congregation, we were studying the, uh, the book of Proverbs, and they just, we started off and I told them we'd probably be in that book on the study for close to a year, and everybody said that was fine, they were excited about it. Well, within a few months they were bored with it and really didn't want it, and, it, there was a lot of troubles in that class, but, you know, this is why the church is struggling. They don't want to sit down and digest every word that God has written down for us. And I'll be honest, this is why I'd rather teach and preach through a book instead of pecking topics, as like I really have done so far on the podcast. But if there's a topic that comes up and you're preaching through a book... And it's a topic that uh, are not uh, always comfortable or people don't want to hear about. Um, you, can, you as a preacher or the teacher can say, well, I, I didn't pick the topic. That's just where the writer of this uh, book took us and we studied it. But we really do need to study all topics. Then become uh, too topical and... And, and loose in, in some kind of incomplete form of the Word of God. And I think that's a lot of struggles with the church, especially in America. Oh, we, we like to go to buffets and eat, and most people from outside the U.S. see us as fat and lazy. Well, there's a lot of truth in that thought and that observation or most Americans' physical body. There's also a spiritual aspect, too, that we can get fat and lazy and and have this buffet. We just pick the topics that we want to hear and what we want to feel good. But really, we need to get into topics that are not always so popular. When picking a, a, a topic, uh, we have the tendency also to want to stay in tune with the politically correct society. And Christ himself was not politically correct. And people say, oh, yes, he was. He loved. Well, yes, he did love. But he also called people snakes and vipers, dead men's bones, and so on. Uh, 
You really need to read the whole gospel account. The church is, is the way that God has ordained for the gospel to spread to communities and, and countries in the entire world. While we are glorifying in our past successes in the church, I've heard so many sermons how great we once were, but, you know, we, we have a whole generation that is going uh, straight to hell, and it's wide open. The big wide road does lead to hell, and so many of our young people today really do not know who Christ is. Oh, they claim they do, but they really don't, because you can start challenging them, and, and they'll, they'll get frustrated really quick, and they'll walk away. We need to not worry about teaching against certain lifestyles or sinful lifestyles in false teachings. We we need to do that. I've been told countless times that uh, the Christians don't need to hear that. People don't need to hear that. And we want to know why we are dying. A recent Gallup poll that I had read on the internet said that 36% of Christians read their Bible. Well, the opposite was 70-some percent do not. And out of that 36%, only 12% read it on a daily basis. There is some really lack of serious devotion to Christ, even among Christians. There's a serious theology, a lack of it being taught from the pulpit, and the serious expository preaching from the pulpit. A lack of desire to fulfill the Great Commission. A lack of watchfulness at the rise and spread of false teaching, which is causing some people today to stray from the faith. This means that they are hearing false teaching and they're not hearing the complete truth. And therefore, as Paul wrote, they're not being set free. They're not believing unto salvation. I'm ashamed of the number of times I've been told by church members to stay away from topics of morality, ethics, baptism. Uh, why? Why are we so worried that we're going to offend some fleshy people within the congregations? Or that we might challenge in the consequences of the soul to rethink uh, some of the things that are not really from the scriptures. Again, I want to read Acts chapter 20, uh, 28, and verse 31. And this is actually out of the New King James Version. It says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. Verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Again, here's the apostle. He's telling them to take heed. In other words, uh, stay alert. Be watchful. And he goes on to say here in verse 31, He warned them day and night about false teaching. Now, I don't know, but I'm... I'm thinking here that if I preached on the same subject for three years in the local congregation, I probably would get somebody's right foot and they would kick me right out of the fellowship and right out of the door. 
But Paul warned them day and night, day after day, week after week, for three years to be aware of false teaching. Well, back to uh, the text in Jude. And Jude is not saying to his readers that when you go out to tell the gospel, you will encounter evil at every turn, but that's possible. But what he's really saying is, watch out for false teachers. Those who do not believe in the deity of Christ, there's many people who claim to be Christian that believe that Jesus was created and that he was the brother of Satan and so on. Uh, uh, folks, I can't find that in my Bible. But what I can find is that Christ is God. He forgave sins. He raised the dead. He claimed to be God in his I am statements in the Gospel of John. And we have people teaching in uh, so-called Christian circles that Jesus never declared his Messiahship to uh, the Jewish people. That's false. Plain and simple. I don't know. Apparently they've never read the Gospel according to John. And they've never read the trial of Jesus when Jesus claims to be the Messiah. He comes right out and says, I am the Son of God. And that's why they call him uh, that he's doing blasphemy. It's, they Boy, they could not stand that. And so we need to have that same uh, idea that we can't stand false teaching. Does it mean uh, that you have a spit line and you turn red-faced or want to get in fist fights? But you need to stand bold for the Word of God. And people should know where you stand on this. I mean, here's Jude again. He's talking about double agents. The people who have snuck into the church. The problem is a few of them do not know what they really are doing. They don't know that they are preaching and teaching lies and false doctrine. They're simply just repeating probably something they've heard somewhere else. And they're trying to make it stick uh, in the church in this day and time. So, do you and I really know the truth? I hope so. Uh, I pray every day that God would always allow me to know the truth and teach the truth. And I would not uh, be subject to false teaching that I could expose it. We need to care and love people like God does. We need to know the truth because the truth is God. There's no darkness in him. There's no deceit in him. So now the, these false teachers that Jude is referring to, again, uh, probably were Gnostics, and that's a whole topic in itself. But uh, shortly here, the Gnostics were, were a group of people who believed that you could only know God by getting special knowledge. Again, in our day and time, you can go to YouTube and you can look it up. Uh, there's a female preacher. She's on TV a lot. And she's sitting there telling her audience that God has given her a special spirit. And you cannot follow her in the Bible, what she is preaching or teaching. And she goes on to say the only way that you can understand her is by asking God to give you the same spirit. Uh, listeners, this is dangerous. And if you're following those type of teachings, I, I would advise you with all my love, I can tell you, stop. Stop it. In other words, uh, she is saying there's an elite group of people 
Uh, and when they got onto a certain level of knowledge, that God will only reveal himself to them. Uh, the Gnostics in the day of Jude, they believed that using gr the grace of Christ was a license to live however they wanted. And that's so far from the truth. And this is what Jude is referring to back in verse 4 when he said, They turned the grace of God into lewdness. The Gnostics also denied that Jesus was God, and they denied his resurrection was physical. And then in verse 4 says, they denied God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have people who claim and wear this title Christian who would say the same things today. God loves me, I love him, and I can do whatever I want. I can have the lifestyle that I want. I can have same-sex marriages, it's none of your business because God created me. We have somebody running for office right now. Uh, wow, oh, that's all I can say is wow. Apparently people really believe that, haven't read their Bible. Now I have said all of that to give you an idea of where Jude is coming from and how it applies to us today. Now, I want to look again at the letter itself. We know that Jude wrote it, but how many of you really know who Jude was? Well, he tells us right here that he's a bondservant of Jesus Christ uh, and a brother of James. And if you were studying and making notes, if, if you read Mark chapter 6, verse 3, you will see that James was the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jude also would be a half-brother of Jesus as well. It was not until later that James and Jude really came to believe uh, in their half-brother Jesus uh, was who he said he was. And my guess here only uh, is probably at the resurrection. So it's interesting that Jude says himself that he is a servant, a bondservant of the Lord. So even through, though Jude grew up with Jesus, he knew him, uh, he still considered himself a servant of the Lord. And notice here in verse 3, Jude begins to tell his readers why he wrote the letter. Verse 3 says, Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. You see, I think it's interesting that Jude originally wanted to write this letter about common salvation of Christians, but the Holy Spirit placed on his heart, inspired him to write something else. Instead of the common bond of salvation, Jude was compelled to write a letter urging believers to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. In other words, it's something that cannot be added to and something that cannot be taken away from. Folks, there is no new doctrine. There's no new revelations. There's no tweaking that needs to be done here. In fact, if someone comes up with a new teaching that has never been taught uh, from God's Word, you're probably dealing with a type of person that Jude is mentioning here uh, in, many, in his next verse. Many cults, they start out this way. Uh, the religion of Islam started out this way. Uh, Mormonism, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, and so on. Uh, they don't believe in the deity of Christ. 
Uh, they believe he was a good guy. He's a good teacher and all. But he was not God in, in the flesh. And again, there's so many verses that would contradict that teaching. Some of them, in fact, have even rewrote their own Bible and placed it uh, above the canon that has been accepted for uh, many, many thousands of years, at least 2,000, that the church has accepted. I'm going to close with this. The toleration of wrong leads to its establishment. I'm going to repeat that. The toleration of wrong leads to establishment of that wrong. Do we, as believers, contend for the faith each and every day? Do you take your stand for the Lord and, and His Word as being complete, true, and it's words that we need to live by? There's an old saying that goes, If you don't stand for something, then you will fall for anything. Let us as, as Christians who are listening stand up for the faith. And if you're not a Christian, uh, what are you standing up for? Have you really asked yourself that question? I would encourage you, all of you, to find a congregation in your area to, that teaches the complete Word of God and not just sections of it. And not like the lady we I referred to. I'm not going to give her a name. Uh, over the podcast, you can search it, you can find it for yourself, that uh, says she's got new uh, words from God, she has new revelation, uh, another teaching is some words that some people use, uh, folks, there's only one teaching, there's only one gospel, there's only one church, and there's only one Lord, and I certainly hope that you are part of it, and seeking it out, and living it. I want to thank you for listening today. I appreciate the time that you have taken out of your day to listen to the podcast. I would encourage you, again, to please go to our website at biblicalquestion.com. And there you can find our statement of faith, ways of contacting us for prayer requests or financial support if you so desire. And there also you can see the questions and answers that... That we're coming up with we have a few out there as well and you can index those and find them and cross-reference them with past podcasts be sure to like this um, podcast and subscribe so that you may get uh, notifications every time that we post again thank you for listening and may god have the glory Mm -hmm.